You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome. This is Jess O'Reilly, your friendly neighborhood sexologist. And before we get started, I want to say thank you to adamandeve.com for your support. They're offering 50% off to all of you if you use code JESS, and it's 50% off almost any single item plus free shipping on your entire order to Canada and the States. So if you're in the market for something fun and sexy, maybe something that vibrates or something wet and slippery, check out adamandeve.com and be sure to use my promo code. Today, we are going to be talking about penises. Now, penises, when I opened up the floor to listener questions on Twitter, I received uh, a flood (laughs) of inquiries pertaining to penises. Questions about size and shape and sensitivity and lots of questions about lasting longer. So today we're going to be answering your questions, but I have to enlist some help because admittedly, I am not a penis expert. I've seen many penises in my life. I continue to see many penises because I often travel to beaches where penises are aplenty, Um, but I'm not the expert. So I have invited an expert to join me today. I was saying that I I receive all these questions about penises and I'm certainly not considered a penis expert. Um, So I'm just going to dive right into them. Some of them I receive via email. Some of them are short because they're DM to me on Twitter. Uh, The first one here is from somebody that he doesn't indicate his age, but he wants to know why when I wake up, do I not have a strong erection and a powerful stream of pee like I used to when I was younger? Well, uh, this this certainly can happen with uh, aging, um, just in that the power of uh, urination will change potentially as one's prostate uh, grows, uh, and this can cause a a relative impaction upon the urethra there so that stream can be diminished. Uh, In terms of the uh, erections, though, uh, this can be due to a variety of things. Many, most men, uh, when they're healthy, will have anywhere between three to seven erections every night that they sleep from the time they were in their mother's womb to the day they die. But as we get older, the frequency of those erections may diminish, the power of them may diminish, and the length of those erections may diminish. And these are the sleep time erections that we have. One may be having those erections and not wake up with one because they may be outside of the normal sleep cycle and so they don't think they're having them, but maybe they are. The other factor, though, is it may be an indication of some uh, progressive erectile issues, uh, that their erections may not be uh, as good uh, as uh, they were when they were younger because we have diminished blood flow. And so if the quality of erection that they're having in the morning when they wake up with their so-called morning wood, as guys often refer to it, is similar to what they're having during the daytime when they want to get sexually aroused, well, those are pretty consistent and just likely result in changes that happen with aging. On the other hand, if it's markedly less rigid than what they would have when they were sexually aroused, I would not worry about it. But if the quality of erection both at the morning 
and during the day when they want to be sexually aroused are bad, then I think further investigation would be indicated with a urologist who has interest in sexual medicine. Okay. And so not all urologists would have a background in this, in this area? Yeah, I think that most urologists have exposure to sexual medicine at some point during their training, particularly the younger uh, doctors uh, in the last, say, 10, 15 years for sure. But whether they have an interest in it or not can make a big difference in terms of the type of uh, time they may want to spend discussing it, uh, having insights into what's current in the literature about what uh, all these things may reflect, as well as potential uh, newer approaches to treatment. So uh, I think it, when it comes to sexual issues for the man, uh, I think going to a doctor who has some evidence of interest in it would be a good idea uh, over so, just a general urologist. That's a really good point because even if you have the training in the area, you may not have the comfort discussing anything around sex, right? So if you don't have the, even if you have the background in terms of physiology, if you don't have the skills to discuss it with your patient, uh, that, that can be a bit of a struggle. That makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, uh, you know, it's true in all areas of medicine, but I think, that, you know, the sexual dysfunction stuff is rather emotionally charged. Uh, and of course, that can uh, result in other issues that might make the doctor uncomfortable or, of course, the patient un uncomfortable. So having someone who is comfortable and familiar with all this can make the whole process that much easier for both parties. Okay, excellent. All right. So uh, I have so many questions here on the penis. This person wants to know, this is probably the most common question I receive with regard to penises, and I imagine you hear it all the time. Is there anything I can do to make my penis longer or increase its girth? Well, uh, the answer is maybe and yes, in terms of maybe make it longer and yes, potentially enhance girth. Um, I see this all the time as well. And I would say at least 95% of the time the men who come in have a normal penis, uh, but are under the impression that they have a penis which is suboptimal in terms of size or simply just want a larger penis because you know what they see watching porn or what have you makes them think that a bigger penis is something that they that they really need to have. Um, what I uh, do now for men who are interested in trying to elongate the penis and have a longer penis would be to use traction therapy. Uh, that's wearing an external stretching device. And there's one particular one that I like because it seems to be the safest, the easiest to wear uh, long term. And that's called the Peeny Master Pro. You can look online and, and, and get that. Um, it's That's a kind safe. of a funny name, Peeny Master. Oh, absolutely. You couldn't come up with a better <laughs> name, you know. Um, and it's about $350 in the U.S. Uh, and uh, there are various companies that sell them. I think they originally came out of Germany. Uh, but this is a, the concept here is wearing a device that pulls on the penis. Think about putting braces on a kid's teeth. Uh, we can uh, apply forces and they will, over time, with the braces, uh, straighten the teeth out. So we're actually instituting changes within the tissue, which, when stretching forces applied to the penis, will actually result in tissue growth. So we can see potentially up to an inch of length recovery, but it takes uh, a big investment of time. We're talking about at least three hours of stretch time per day. With the Peeny Master Pro, some men 
of being able to wear those at night so they can get, you know, potentially longer durations of stretch. Uh, and it happens very slowly. Now, as far as girth enhancement, uh, there are a variety of uh, injectables have been uh, used over the years, and there's some under-the-counter, uh, you know, behind-the-counter kind of things, oils and paraffins and things of that sort. I absolutely recommend against that because these tend to cause a lot more harm than good, uh, and they can look awful as well. There is a new device that is uh, uh, just received FDA approval here in the U.S. Uh, it's a silicone sleeve that can be inserted uh, under the skin of the penile shaft and is attached up behind the head. Uh, and uh, I have actually participated in the surgery for this and we'll be offering it here in my office in Chicago. We probably will be the first uh, in the nation to be doing this. Uh, they're just looking for some final FDA approval uh, aspects here to uh, ensure uh, good outcomes. But there, are there, are, there is a doctor in California who's been doing this for many years. Uh, with some outstanding results, and I've witnessed the surgery and seen some of the results, uh, and you truly can gain uh, substantial girth. Uh, it looks normal. It provides a little extra rigidity, and I think the man who might benefit from this the most would be the guy who has a retractile penis. You know, some men will have what we call a turtling penis, will pull back into the body, oftentimes because they have a little extra fat on board, and if you put this device in, it will hold the penis out uh, more or less to its full length. And so it will look like a longer penis. And of course, it will be a wider penis as well in terms of circumference without okay. changing sensation. So let's go back to the longer penis and the, uh, what, what did you call it? The Peeny? Peeny Master Pro. Okay. It sounds like a lot of work to me. And as someone who does like penises and sees a lot of penises because I go to sex parties and I'm at nude resorts and whatnot, I don't think most people have anything to worry about. I'm not looking, walking around with a ruler thinking, oh, I re that would be a nice penis if it only had one more inch on it. But is it, is it worth it for these guys? Well, that's really in the eyes of the beholder. Uh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree with you 100%. That's why I said that 95% have a normal penis. This is a man's perspective. You know, and there are recognized, you know, uh, uh, sort of disorders here, so-called body dysmorphic syndrome. Um, or disorder where, you know, a, a man might have a perfectly normal nose, but feels as though they need to have it look a different way, right. um, uh, even though it's functioning perfectly. Uh, so, you know, that can apply also uh, to the penis. Right. Uh, and, and there must be some risks associated with, like, especially definitely. with the surgery. Well, with the surgery in particular, there are lengthening operations that can be done uh, which can result in sensory uh, deficit, uh, can potentially result in tissue loss, um, uh, infection, uh, a variety of things can happen. But for the most part, they don't really do much is the, is the key. So that's why I recommend this stretching device because, you know, if they really want to do something, they can wear this device and potentially get a little extra. But, you know, I think studies, and you're probably familiar with this as well, uh, there have been studies, you know, with women asking them, you know, what, you know, do they prefer a longer penis? And I think the general answer that I understand is that no, women don't necessarily find it more sexually uh, exciting or more pleasurable to have a longer penis. Probably a wider penis may be more likely to be stimulating. Uh, I'd like to hear your opinion on that, frankly. But um, 
you know, I, I think that probably way too much attention to how big the penis is, more so on, you know, how, how are you using it? You know, the, not the <laughs> size of the ship, but the motion of the ocean thing. And I think that is a true saying, you know. Absolutely. And so, yeah, I do hear more from people with vaginas, for example, uh, that they prefer girth to length. Having said that, even with girth, there's a lot you can do regardless of the size of your penis. So, I mean, in most of these cases, the answer, sure, is yes, there's something you can do, but oftentimes you don't need to. You might need to shift your cognitions a little bit, right? Change the way you think about yourself. It's the same thing with all of our issues around body image. And I, I suppose you, you, hear, you receive these requests all the time as well. All the time. And there's the no time. pill they can take, correct? Because that's the big question. Are there any pills that will make my penis bigger? No, absolutely not. <laughs> now, you know, a lot of these pills that are sold you know, at, the, at the gas station, you know, on, online, uh, most of them are nothing, a little dirt uh, put in a, in a capsule. Uh, <laughs> may actually have a little Viagra in it. And so, of course, what that will do is potentially cause some tumescence, some engorgement of the penis, but truly making the penis longer uh, or wider in a consistent manner. No, there is no such pill, period. Excellent. And I was reading a report with regard to some of these natural or supposedly herbal pills you can take and the fact that when they do test them, they contain pharmaceutical grade uh, equivalent to Viagra, and they, they're sneaking them in there. That's correct. That's what I mean. And, and, uh, and of course, that's against the law, uh, because there are people who might try these things that, who are on medications uh, that could have a catastrophic uh, side effect um, right. with uh, taking, you know, Viagra without knowing it. it can drop your blood pressure uh, to the floor and, and could res really result in a, in a, in a disaster. So, so the moral uh, of the story I, is don't buy these uh, gas station pills. Save your money. <laughs> exactly. Um, so this one is a quite a straightforward question. This gentleman asks, why, oh, why do I, oh, this one's not as straightforward. Sorry about that. Why do I seem to pee all over the place the morning after wild sex? So why, am, why does my pee go all over the place after wild sex? After what kind of sex? Just wild sex. You know, sometimes wild people sex. wake up in the morning and they miss the toilet bowl. Is it just bad aim or does the sex play a role? Well, I don't know, really. That's an interesting question. I mean, certainly after sex, after an ejaculation, uh, the sphincter muscle uh, may contract, be contracted. And sometimes men will find that if they try to urinate right after having sex, they can have difficulty initiating a stream because the muscle uh, that controls urination might be tightened and it might take a while for it to relax so that they can void more freely. Uh, in addition, if they happen to have had an ejaculation and still some of it may have been within the urethra, and if you wait a while, maybe it will coagulate a little bit within the urethra, that might result in some turbulent flow through the <laughs> urethra. And so at the end of the stream, it sprays all over the place. That should clear out once the, you know, that seminal fluid is, is washed out of the urethra. So that wouldn't be a permanent thing. Um, if it was a consistent problem, you know, in other words, uh, spraying of stream happened, you know, uh, uh, as a regular um, issue, uh, then again, evaluation by a urologist would be in order because there may be a stricture, a scar within the urethra that could cause that. Okay. All right. So now um, that's not for everyone who pees all over the place. If you're not bothering to aim, this doesn't apply to you. 
Exactly. All right. And here's the straightforward one I was looking at. This was a tweet. It says, I'm 45 and I still have wet dreams once in a while. Is something wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. It means you're probably having uh, dreams of sexual content uh, and associated with maybe those nocturnal erections. Uh, and it's uh, just taking you to uh, uh, the final uh, conclusion of the, of the dream with uh, uh, ejaculation. It may also indicate that you're not having enough uh, sex uh, during the, your waking hours. Uh, oftentimes men uh, who you know, refrain from having sexual activity will have spontaneous you know, nocturnal emissions. Um, you know, in a sense, uh, the body just clearing the jets uh, down below, uh, and it's a sort of a natural process. So there's nothing wrong with that uh, uh, at all, uh, nor is there anything, you know, that a man should say, geez, I want to have those kinds of uh, emissions. Uh, there's nothing, you know, good or bad about it. Okay. I mean, for me, and for many of us, uh, we love when it happens. It's like, oh, I get the pleasure and I didn't have to do the work. You know, when you wake up to one of those, it's not not so bad. Um, Does that so, happen with women too? Yeah, women also will have uh, orgasm and sometimes ejaculation, but more likely just some sort of an orgasm in their sleep as well. Yes, and it's a, it's a lovely feeling. I mean, there's a there's a phenomenon as uh, as well um, in terms of sleep sex. So people having sex in their sleep. There were a couple of legal cases uh, in the headlines in the last few years with regard to people claiming. Um, and in some cases, legitimately claiming that they didn't know what they were doing. And uh, I have a number of clients who have experienced sex in their sleep. So nocturnal arousal and then desire arousal, plateau, orgasm, all that jazz. And then they wake up in the morning and they might remember it or they might not remember it that clearly. Or sometimes they wake up in the middle of it. So it's quite an interesting um, new area of research. Hmm. Okay. Learn yeah. something every day. Yeah. I always joke that I think that's perfect. I'd love to, you know, wake up to that, not have to, you know, get over the psychological hump of, of bringing myself to do it. For some of us, it's, it's a convenience, but you can't make it happen. <laughs> Although I was quoted erroneously in, I believe, the Daily Star in uh, just a few months ago. And the headline read, according to sexologist this position will result in an orgasm in your sleep. And what it said was that if you sleep on your stomach, you'll have an orgasm, which is, of course, not at all what I said. <laughs> yeah, totally but, uh, likely, yeah. That's the break. Those are the breaks when you provide quotes to people. They cut them all up. And um, so, no, you won't have an orgasm just from sleeping on your stomach. Now, I, I want to get back to your expertise around the topic of premature ejaculation, what it is, what it isn't. Uh, a lot of us, I think, have inaccurate expectations with regard to how long sex should last, how long our erection should last. So I have a, but I have a case here. This gentleman says he's 30 years old. I'm having premature ejaculation. Up the upper part of my organ, so the head of his penis, is so sensitive that it cannot bear two to three strokes in the vagina. All is okay with erection and in foreplay, but during intercourse, I release or I ejaculate an orgasm within two strokes. So this one would qualify as premature ejaculation, but sometimes people think that they're experiencing premature ejaculation because they have these expectations that intercourse and sex should go on for 
you know, hours and hours. So, mm -hmm. so how do you, I, you know, I've seen some definitions online with regard to the amount of time that qualifies as premature ejaculation. How do you define premature ejaculation? Well, I, I think there's, there's the, so the classic definition of so-called lifelong, lifelong severe premature ejaculation, which is truly a problem. Uh, and that is typically an, eja an orgasm ejaculation that happens within less than one minute after a penetration. Um, and that can be a difficult uh, problem uh, to treat because we don't altogether uh, understand it. There are also men, just as you were alluding to, who have what we call subjective uh, premature ejaculation, meaning they feel as though they're coming too soon, but in fact, relative to what is normal, they may be going quite a bit longer than the normal range. So what's normal? Well, what's been quoted is that men will have uh, an orgasm once um, there is continuous sexual stimulation anywhere within five to seven minutes uh, after stimulation. Uh, and so men who go and I've seen men who come in and say, well, I go for 20, 30 minutes and then I come, I can't, I can't uh, keep it going. And <laughs> many would say that's remarkable. Uh, you know, that's perfect. That's what that exceeds normal. But to them, uh, it is sooner than they want to in terms of control. That's kind of what it's about here hmm. in that particular individual. And th those people, I think, uh, deserve the same type of treatment as we would for anybody. For the lifelong ejaculator, this is the most difficult uh, problem because oftentimes uh, the various therapies that are used are not going to be temporary. They might ne need to be on a regular basis. So that would include uh, my first line therapy for all men with premature ejaculation is this product called Promescent. Uh, Promescent is a topical gel uh, which has a unique formulation with lidocaine uh, that was, is applied to the head of the penis typically. Uh, by the patient. It's an over-the-counter agent, uh, and they can regulate as to how much they want to put on to get the result that they want. Um, what's unique about it is that the formulation allows the drug to penetrate the skin down to where the nerves are so that we don't uh, have as much signal input into the brain. So this gentleman that we're talking about here who has two strokes, he's already fearful that he's going to ejaculate before he even starts. Of course. And what this can potentially do is diminish the signal to the brain that he's getting stimulated and allow him to go longer. Now, what we don't want is no signal because no signal means a numb penis and then you, the man will typically lose their uh, erection. And this is typically what happened historically with the other topical lidocaine or numbing uh, agents. I like this promescent because typically I tell people to start with three sprays and they can regulate down to one spray or all the way up to six sprays, depending upon you know the desired result. Uh, I had one gentleman that I was talking to you about a moment ago uh, who had what we call anti-portal uh, ejaculation. He would ejaculate even before penetration. This poor guy, he was a rather prominent Chicago person still is uh, big in the entertainment world uh, and uh, we had tried everything with him including uh, the uh, serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitor agents mm -hmm. the antidepressant agent agents didn't work nothing we he uh, used this promescent this was now three years ago and within a week he had called me and said 
Larry, I cannot believe you know, what you've done for me here because he's now able to have sex as long as he wants. Before, he was not able to engage in oral sex because he would ejaculate immediately. Now he can have oral sex and then proceed to vaginal penetration and whatever else he wants to do. Um, but he, he needs to continue to use it because biologically, I think he is, his system is sort of geared that way. Some men, once they learn to control with medications uh, or various techniques, uh, in time they may not need anything. Uh, but that tends to be the more the subjective type, the man who might have five to seven minutes but wants to go longer. Right. Um, yeah. Do we know so, why, for instance? Um, so, I mean, on my end, I often see the psychological side, right? It happens once. Sure then you worry that it's going to happen again. And then, of course, there's that reinforcement and the worst case scenario ensues. And when they use a product like this, I'm actually quite familiar with Promescent. Some of my clients use it. I've tried it um, and it works. And then they can learn to exercise control and have the confidence, really, because sex is a big part of sex is confidence. But for those who really just are so sensitive or so responsive that a few strokes or a few touches results in ejaculation and orgasm. Do we understand why that might be? Well, there's two, two different so-called neurobiological theories here or, or sites that may be involved. One is the brain. Of course, the brain sort of controls it all. And it's thought that serotonin, which is a what we call a central neurohormone, meaning it's a, a, a hormone that works within the brain, and there's a lot of them rattling around and they're having different functions, but serotonin is one. And there are drugs which can, in a sense, elevate um, uh, this serotonin within the sexual centers of the brain. Uh, They're also used for uh, as an antidepressant. The SSRIs, we call them things like Zoloft or or Prozac and so forth. Uh, And they may have some beneficial effects. They come with some side effects, though, some you know, yawning, sweating, sometimes diminished libido, depending upon uh, uh, on how much is used, uh, and they have some expense with them as well. I've had I've had limited success with them, but some men do very well with it. And it usually requires daily dosing if they do well after being on it for maybe several months on a daily basis. We can potentially switch them to as needed, but they have to take it typically two to three or more hours before anticipated sex. Hmm. That's kind of why I like the promescent topical approach because that's, you know, really as needed, as wanted, applied, you know, 10 to 15 minutes beforehand. Now, the other neurobiological stuff kind of pertains to this patient where we have penile sexual sensitivity. Uh, This is conducted via nerves from the penis to the brain. And interestingly, uh, uh, nerves that we can test the vibratory nerves of the penis uh, travel with these sexual nerves. And we sometimes find that when we do vibratory testing on these men, they have a very early perception of uh, sensitivity. Mm. Um, And so again, diminishing the signal coming from the penis to the brain might be less apt to trigger that ejaculatory reflex that's ready to go in the brain. So sometimes it's one or the other or both. Uh, in other words, the brain and the penis maybe are hypersensitive. Uh, and then, of course, as you've suggested, it can be behavioral. There's that whole fear of uh, of coming too quickly. 
And that activates another nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system, the fight-flight system, mm -hmm. which can also participate in accelerating ejaculation and maybe even interact, interfering with good erections. And, you know, you mentioned SSRIs and that they can help yeah. with delaying ejaculation. I've actually run into a number of clients, and you, I'm sure you see this all the time, who have difficulty reaching orgasm and ejaculating when they're on SSRIs for when they're being treated for depression with SSRIs. Correct. Um, so there are obviously different products on the market, products that uh, have less of a, have fewer sexual side effects. How do you approach this if somebody's on, for instance, Zoloft and comes and says, well, not only has my interest in sex diminished, but when I do have sex, I may not have problems with erection, but I have difficulty climaxing. Well, uh, it depends upon the level of the of the problem they're being treated for. So in other words, if they've got, you know, severe clinical depression, I'm usually not going to mess with those drugs. I'll, I'll collaborate maybe with the psychiatrist who is ever prescribing them and see what we can potentially do to switch them around maybe to Wellbutrin or an, another right. drug to treat their depression. Uh, some men who have maybe less severe depression, we can have them take a so-called drug holiday mm -hmm. uh, where maybe they, they anticipate that, you know, geez, Friday is our night. Uh, <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll take my, I'll, won't take my medicine on Thursday or Friday and, uh, you know, be able to do better in terms of reaching orgasm. And that's something uh, that you would only switch up in consultation with your physician, of course. Yes, absolutely. Because, you know, sometimes you can have withdrawal stuff, which is not so pleasant with some of these medications. Um, uh, and so I like that have that managed by somebody who has expertise in, in that area. But a lot of it depends upon the severity of the problem. And the good news is that doesn't happen very much, at least in terms of my practice. Uh, for men, probably the most difficult problem that I have seen, and maybe you too, um, in sexual medicine right now is delayed orgasm, or I can't come. Mm -hmm. uh, everything else is fine. Normal erection, uh, normal arousal, normal testosterone. They just can't reach it. Now, of course, that tends to be more of a problem in the older man, the 60-plus-year-old uh, fella because of d diminished you know, function there that may be just a physiologic change of, of aging. Uh, but I see it in younger men as well. There can be sensory nerve problems, which we, again, we can uh, address with that vibratory study that we do here in the office, simple, Interesting. you know, a simple test. Uh, but um, one of the treatments for it is vibration therapy. Uh, ah. There's a device called the Vibirect uh, interestingly enough, and it's using vibration uh, to actually stimulate the penis to encourage. This device is used for spinal cord injured uh, men who want to be able to ejaculate, particularly for making babies. Uh, the, you apply this vibration directly to the penis, even though they may not be feeling it, the sensitivity activates the ejaculatory reflex, even in men who have spinal cord injury. So it can be used in men who don't have spinal cord injury there's also some central neurohormone manipulating drugs. One is called cabergoline. Uh, it's used oftentimes for prolactinomas. Uh, Adderall, you know, for ADHD, mm -hmm. uh, has a you know speed-like effect. What, what does it do? It causes more focus. So for men who might be in the midst of sexual activity and they, their mind starts to wander, you know, they're now, that may be a good thing. You might think for the man with premature ejaculation so they don't come. For these guys who can't come, their brain just starts wandering off. Uh, and so regaining the focus with low doses of Adderall 
uh, has proven to be effective in some men who have this delayed orgasm problem, which is a real difficult one to treat. I'm actually seeing that more commonly now and not in older men, but in young men who are high power, very distracted, particularly by their work, by being, you know, the alpha in every respect, being a performer mm -hmm. in the bedroom, being a performer with the family, have, they need a trophy in every, in every room in the house sort of thing. And mm -hmm. uh, they're, as much as they want sex, they're quite distracted during. And so I actually am seeing more couples, uh, male, female couples for whom the woman is in which the woman is saying that it's lasting too long and he's having trouble finishing. Um, and I'm, I'm interested as to whether or not that drug uh, for ADHD also is, has been used in women because of, of course we know that women, there's an orgasm gap and women have uh, yep. a lower likelihood of reaching orgasm when they're with a partner. Are, are they also using that with women? Well, I don't do much uh, female sexual medicine therapy myself, but the answer is yes. Um, uh, you know, it's certainly used for treatment of ADHD, men or women, uh, and so I would suspect it would be reasonable to try uh, in the female. Now, the key is is that you typically start with a much lower dose than you might use uh, for you know the uh, attention deficit disorder. So I typically start with like 2.5 to 5 milligrams and have people use it. You know, I can take it about an hour before anticipated sex. Don't do it at night before you go to bed because this drug can cause people to get hyped up, jazzed up because of the um, uh, amphetamine-like behavior uh, that, uh, or uh, side effects. Uh, and so they might not be able to go to sleep. So I say you know, when they're first trying, trying to use it, you know, take it earlier during the day so that you know, by the time the drug wears off, they'll be able to have a normal night's sleep. Okay, yeah, and on a side note, I was talking to a young person uh, who was saying there's a lot of abuse of this drug in, like, in oh. uh, grad school because they're staying up all night yep. and studying so much pressure. I mean, another topic altogether. Um, mm -hmm. Now, we, we've talked about the drugs, and obviously I want to remind everyone that you need to speak to your physician uh, about your specific case. Uh, aside from drugs, there, I, I think we need to do a little bit of a shifting here as well to help people understand that there's not only one way to have sex, right? Your erection doesn't have to last X minutes. And what I want, you know, as one person with a vagina isn't what another person <laughs> with a vagina wants. So really you need to be feeling better about yourself, talking to your partner. Uh, this has been really a, a fruitful and educational conversation for me. Uh, is there anything you'd like to leave leave our listeners with with regard to their penises? Something they should know? Any words of wisdom as someone who is an expert in the field? Well, probably the thing that's going to keep their penis healthy with respect to you know general vascular health is you know good diet, uh, regular exercise because exercise increases blood flow everywhere in the body, including the penis. Uh, to you know, I, I call it know your numbers. Uh, know what your uh, blood pressure is, know what your cholesterol is, uh, know what your weight is in terms of desired weight. Don't smoke because the number one most common cause of sexual dysfunction, particularly in terms of erection, is smoking. Uh, these, all these things can uh, have a bearing upon you know, long-term sexual health, at least in terms of penile health, and I suspect it probably pertains to vaginal health as well. All right. Well, thank you very much for being here. And where can people find you? I'm in Chicago uh, at Rush University Medical Center. Um, I do have a website, uh, which is Dr. Levine. So D-R-L-E-V-I-N-E, menshealth.com.
drlevinemenshealth.com. And we'll be sure to share that as well on our post. Well, thank you again. And we, we hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I'd like to add some notes to this discussion. Just a couple of my own thoughts. Um, that was really informative for me. Lots of information there that I was not familiar with. And I'm going to have to do some more research on my own. Um, first and foremost, I want to remind you that if you have a penis, you should really love it. Um, and I'm not saying that you can't turn to people for support, turn to products for support, but I wish we had a world where we didn't worry so much about the size, the color, the shape, the angle, the curve, the foreskin of, of, of the penis, but also just about our bodies. I mean, I'm trying to put it succinctly. I guess the best way to put it is that your penis rocks. And I look back and I think I've been guilty of making jokes about penises in the past. Not, not about size or anything like that, but more about like, uh, penises. And I really never should have done this and certainly won't do it moving forward because there exists some sort of a, a wave of penis shaming out there. And I, I definitely don't want to be a part of that. So if you've got a penis, love your penis. Don't worry about it. It's a part of you, but it doesn't define you. And you can do great things with it. Uh, and you can also do amazing things with the rest of your body. So don't get entirely hung up on your penis or your erection or how long you last. I mean, it's not a race. We're not timing you. And we need to, I think, start making jokes um, that relate to these areas, to size, to lasting. Because uh, the more you think about it, the more stressful all of it becomes. It's, you know, a psychogenic reaction. And I can tell you for me, for example, like I don't want intercourse on a regular day to last 20 minutes. That's a really long time. I don't have time for that. <laughs> and and honestly, as, as good as sex feels and as good as intercourse can feel, there are other things that don't require a penis that can feel just as good or better. So don't neglect the pleasure and connection you can create with your hands, with your face, with your nose, your words, your tongue, your toys, your fingers, your cheeks, and all that jazz. And if intercourse lasts a long time, that's awesome. And if it doesn't last a long time, that's awesome too. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm speaking about personal preference. I'm not saying that some people don't want intercourse to last longer. I saw a post from another sexologist uh, asking about length of intercourse on Facebook the other day, and she was referencing the fact that a quickie for her and her partner lasts 60 to 90 minutes, a quickie. And that's, that's fine. That's cool. But we just have to remember it's it's a matter of to each their own. And uh, I also want to make a note to men who have sex with women. We often talk about women taking longer to reach orgasm. But in fact, when we're on our own masturbating, we only take an average of one minute longer. So it's you guys that are slowing down the process. No, it's it's really a matter of what we're doing when we're on our own, which often involves something different than putting something inside of us. So again, I'm not saying that people don't want penises inside of them, but it's not the end-all be-all. There are other things 
you can do. And so I think that we need to, I don't know, affect some behavioral change as well as some cognitive shifts here. So, you know, my goal is to give you accurate information and bring in experts who know much more than I do so that you can feel better about yourself, so that you can feel confident in your relationship and feel great about your sex life. And in order to, you know, engage in these positive feelings, sometimes you have to make behavioral changes like broadening your sexual repertoire to include different types of sex beyond intercourse. And sometimes, as I mentioned, this will be about cognitive shifts, changes in the way you think, thinking outside the box and thinking more positively about yourself, knowing that what you've got and what you do and what you're capable of are more than good enough. And not comparing yourself to what you see in porn. I talk about this all the time. If you don't use Jersey Shore as an example of relationship education, please don't use porn as a form of sexual education. Porn is for entertainment. It is not realistic if a five-year-old can understand that what happens in a Marvel Comics movie is fake. I think adults should be under, able to understand that what we see in porn isn't necessarily reflective of what happens in reality. So the bottom line and why I wanted to just add a couple of thoughts at the end here is that you don't need to worry. You've got this. If you've got a penis, you rock. If you don't, you rock too. That's it. Be kind to yourself. Be as kind to yourself as you are to other people, please. All right. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends. We are looking to spread this podcast to the world so that more people can engage with accurate information, use it to improve their relationships, and ultimately be happier, be more fulfilled, and be kind to themselves and to those around them. I am at Sex with Dr. Jess on all social media. I love to hear from you, and please do share with your friends. That's all. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.